Welcome to the April I Ain't No Fool edition of uh, the Paul Bunyan podcast. Uh, on my side, I'm going to be talking about Michigan basketball, what happened in the tournament, what their offseason might look like. Also, Michigan hockey's going to a frozen floor. Michigan's women's team made it to the Elite Eight. First time in program history. I'll hit on that. Joe, what do you have on the Michigan State side? Uh, for Michigan State, mainly just some roster news and some potential news about who could be coming in or going out for next year's version of the roster. So all that and more is on the next segment of the Paul Bunyan Podcast. We have a bunch of Michigan news to hit. We're going to start with their men's basketball team. Um, the Villanova game was tight. It was uh, hard to watch as a Michigan fan. If Hunter Dickinson and company, but particularly Hunter Dickinson, hits the shot he always hits, they win the game. Uh, Hunter deciding not to hit any of his shots was a bold strategy. And <laughs> I'm uh, overstating that a little bit. Because he did have 15 points, right. and he probably, I think, I would like to check this, but I think he shot better from three than he did uh, from two. I'm pretty sure the team as a whole did. Yeah, according to ESPN, he was 6 of 16 from the floor, but 0 of 1 from three. Okay. So, so I mean, technically 0% is higher than what he shot from inside the arc. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Michigan missed a bunch of layups, and I think well, that actually kind of hid their free throw woes. They had to shoot better in the second half from free throw just to get to 50%. I think they ended up at. Yeah. Cause the first half was really tight, but there were a few instances where Michigan got to the line and missed both or only made one. Yeah. It was frustrating. Yeah. And I can forgive some of the inside uh, shooting woes, just like Bill Nova's smart. I, I actually love Bill Nova. I, I have that in my notes later, but I'll just say it right now. Jay Wright and Bill Nova, I like really respect their program. They are smart because if you have them beat in the paint, they won't follow you, but they're still where they need to be just to give you enough pressure. You can feel the Villanova player on your back, or he's right in front of you. So he's mm -hmm. not going to move, but if you move too much, you're going to charge him. And I think that really can make it uh, – it can really affect your percentage. Yeah. It can affect your shot. And they're just so fundamental. Um, and I also felt a little bit better after seeing what they did to Houston because they really took it to Houston. Yeah. Just took it to Arizona. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, I, I give total props to them. Um, and like I said, uh, it was an off night. Michigan had just had two really good games. They overachieved in the tournament. I also, I mean, it's my other version of the up down theory. If you have enough good games in a row, you're due for a bad game. Right. And that's why it's so hard to get to a final four and win a national championship in basketball. It is. And yeah. I mean, and as much fun as the tournament is and as much success as Michigan's had and Michigan state's had even more, I actually think winning a big 10 title is way more 
important. And I'll put SEC, ACC title. Right, winning it, your, your regular season. That's harder. Title. You have to go on the road. You're not yeah. playing at neutral sites. And, you know, tournament is a big deal, you know, in conference tournament too right. on years where the league's loaded. But I think, um, like, you have 20 games. You're going on the road for 10 of them. You're playing at home for 10 of them. It's teams that know you. Yeah. I think that's harder. And I think that's also why – this year was somewhat disappointing because even though Michigan was a tournament team, it was like uh, Sweet 16, that's nice. That's only two weeks. You know, being an 11 Whereas, seed, you yeah. earn that over the course of three months. Yeah. no, I get Four months, when, however long the season is. Yeah, but uh, Sorry. Oh, yeah, just watching the game, I, I got exactly what you meant when you said Villanova was similar build-wise and, like, how they play to Colorado State. Yeah, uh, yeah they're they, more talented. Yeah. They shoot a whole lot of threes. I mean, they were nine of thirty, but it like they shoot. They shot thirty threes. You don't see that that often. And you know what? If you hit your free throws and you hit your layups and you dunk the ball, you are taking advantage of Villanova shooting twenty eight percent, twenty nine percent from three, whatever. Thirty percent. Thirty percent. You know that's not their best. They're not shooting fifty percent from three. Right. They they weren't lighting it up. Like they were making shots, but they weren't. It, it wasn't enough to be like, oh, I can't overcome Villanova's shooting right now. Um, and if they're the better version of Colorado State, then the 2018 Villanova team is the better version of this because yeah. this is a really good college basketball team. It's one of the top ten teams in the country. They made the Final Four, but it doesn't have the NBA talent of that team that blew yeah. Michigan out in, in 2018 in the championship game. Yeah, that 2018 Villanova team is like up there with – not quite like 09 Carolina or 2012 uh, Kentucky or like 15 Duke, but it, they're in that conversation. I'd like to see town. them play that 2015 Duke. That might be one that I yeah I give, I push back on a little bit because I'm not sure that 2015 Duke was better than 2015 Wisconsin. If right. it wasn't for a Coach K or, politicking to the refs at halftime, or like if, if Kentucky that year had gotten to the title game, yes, yeah, Kentucky they, versus Wisconsin. Sorry, not to get too off track, but that one was like the game of the century at that point. And, uh, and, uh, that, uh, Kentucky team won their conference title that 2015 like, yeah. Duke. They, they, they were undefeated <laughs> until they played Wisconsin. Yeah. The, the, the 2007 Patriots or 2008 <laughs> Patriots, however you want to do the yeah. year of college basketball. Um, but I mean, it is nice to see that even on an off night, Michigan didn't make it easy for Villanova. Yeah. yeah like it was really close. Uh, I think it also says a lot about where the program is that this is what a down year looks like. Uh, it's the worst year they probably had since 2016. And I mean, you look at Michigan over the last 10, 11, 12 years, the basketball program's totally different than it was the 10 years before that. And as a big college basketball fan, like that's, oh my God, if you had told me in 2010 what I was, the next 12 yeah. years would look like, I would have been happy. Um, I do want to move on. Uh, because I have a lot to get to, but I want to look forward to what the future and the outlook of the program is. Do you have anything to add before we move on? Uh, nope. Just, okay. uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do really. Uh, you would have told me a month ago that Frankie Collins would be the difference between a first-round exit and a Sweet 16 team. I would have been ecstatic <laughs> and surprised because I actually uh, was more – I actually thought there was more upside or at least more encouraged by what Kobe Bufkin was by that point. And now Frankie Collins has moved ahead of him. Not necessarily that it's a competition, just that they're both freshmen, you know, yeah. and you're just looking 
towards next year since Michigan's losing both Jones and Brooks. These are two guys that might be starters. There's a good chance that one of them will be. Uh, my confidence in him went way up by the end of the season. He can dish it. He can drive. He has the athleticism that allows him to defend at a high level, and at times he really did. Uh, he's still learning as a freshman, yeah. but his shot needs a lot of work, both free throws and three-point. And having Diabate and Dickinson out there did not allow him to have the spacing. He needs to drive it to the hoop. Um, and I'll get to Michigan's transfer needs, but you can bet that they need a shooter. Uh, yeah. Doug McDaniel, who's the top 50, top 75 uh, point guard that's coming in, um, he might help as a backup. I, could I like also... how he spells his name, D-U-G. Like oh, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was digging. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think more than likely Diabate and Dickinson both leave. So that's going to leave a big void. I do think there's a chance one of them comes back. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where, I mean, Dickinson there said there was no chance he was coming back at uh, last year. But I think the fact that there's NIL money now and – He's making more at Michigan than he would in the G League. Yeah. I think that probably brought it down to 60% chance he'd leave, whereas it was probably 90 to 100 before that. Diabate, um, he's not showing up on any draft boards, and that's the only reason I won it. I mean, halfway in the season, as much as he was struggling, he was still showing up in the second round for some. Um, yeah. Now not. What sucks, and this is something that I think the NCAA needs to work on, since he's from France – He's not entitled to NIL money. Yeah, Ojabo had the same issue, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, I, I think they need to do the change that. Um, it doesn't. I, I think I think it's only to the NCAA benefit they change that, right? Because there's international leagues, and if you're a high level talent, why would you come play in college? If there's international leagues, you could be still, you know, right? So I I just think it gives um. It just gives uh, college basketball more of a pool to choose from if you change Definitely. that. Yeah. Uh, but it's so weird. He does all of the hard things well, and like especially against Villanova, and he has other issues down the stretch. Diabate like doesn't seem to pass well, doesn't seem to catch it well, doesn't seem to dunk it well. It's like his hand. He's. I mean, it's cliche, but he has butterfingers. <laughs> like, don't lay a finger on my butter. Uh, I think the. <laughs> but if one of them comes back, it's. Uh, a lot different than if neither comes back. Um, yeah. I would actually prefer one of them to leave just because I like the roster flexibility. Right. Brandon, like Brandon Johns or Brandon Johnson, if you're fan sided, uh, <laughs> it uh, really put a, a Howard in a bind by just like stinking it up this year, because I think they expected more of him at the floor. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I know. No, I was just saying like, Oh, uh, you got to like what you saw from Terrence Williams down the stretch. I thought he was the difference in the Ohio state road win off the bench and then against Tennessee too, it seemed like he was hitting key shots. Yeah. And I mean, he's a little up and down. I, I want them to be, he, whenever the, the bench really played well, a lot of that production came from Terrence Williams. Yeah. I, I do think you kind of can feel comfortable as a junior putting him uh, as a starter and they might need to depend on, on what their attrition looks like. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of weird. He, he did some things as a freshman, but you know, he wasn't, totally ready sophomore after a year at camp Sanderson, he really kind of built his body to a high level college player. Yeah. But 
and we've seen this before, not totally comfortable in his new athletic body. And then, like, by year three, you really see this. Like, now he's kind of comfortable with his build. He's had a couple years in the program. He could be, you know, a dark horse for someone that really uh, lights up. And I'm going to get to him in a second, depending on how the pieces fall. Uh, I have yeah. an idea of where to put him because um, – He's six foot seven. He can hit a three. He's kind of too small to play down low, but you can at times. You can get away with it, especially against smaller programs. But he's also quick enough that if you really need to in the gym, you can put him at the two. It's kind of it's like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Uh, Jones and Brooks are both gone because Brooks can even come back if you want to. Devontae Jones had the COVID year, but he's already de- declared that yeah. he's done. Uh, Jet Howard and Terrace Reed are both top 40 players. And they are guys that if you had to pick guys out of the class coming in to make an immediate impact, um, they're the guys to do it. I would put Jet Howard, who's the number 37 player, a little bit ahead of Terrace Reed, who's actually just slightly above him at 35 because Jet Howard's a three. And he, he might play the two or four. But uh, Terrace yeah. Reed's a big. He's 6'11". Tremendous uh, wingspan. He can be a stretch five in college or the NBA, but mm-hmm. the NBA you almost but depending on what like Diabate and or Dickinson do, yeah, you know, that, that'll that'll would, affect his his availability. It would be minutes. nice to have him on a bench or like if or if Diabate comes back and he's still not getting the fundamentals down, having a uh, Terrace Reed push him. But you know he could be a stretch five or stretch four, you know, in the NBA too. Uh, but I think sometimes there's more of a growing pain with the, the big men than there is for a three, like yeah. uh, Jet Howard. Uh, you saw Hunter Dickinson, who had a fantastic freshman year, still had a wall. Uh, later in the season, he just looked a little bit drained because the high school schedule isn't as, as long. Demanding. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, he didn't develop his three-point game or his ability to go left until this year. And by the tournament, teams know for uh, he's gonna want to go right for some left. Yeah, I might I might be getting that mixed up, but is what? Yeah, he, basically, it he could only like physically impose for so long as a freshman, and like he he could do that for a long time. I mean, he he won freshman of the year in the Big Ten handily, but yeah, by the end of the year, teams had kind of figured it out. And this year, you know, he could do a lot more. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I I definitely think uh, after this year, going back to him. I think the NBA will really see the upside of his offense. Now it's like, can he be defensively imposing? And it's kind of weird. He just doesn't have that freak athlete that, that the NBA uh, emphasizes even more than they used to. Yeah. And, like, you see him running down the court, and he just looks funny because his run is kind of funny. And I can say that because I also have one. And this, <laughs> I mean, and also, like, his vertical isn't like uh, a Reed's. You know, Terrace Reed has an incredible vertical. And, yeah. And also his jump. Um but getting back to other players, I don't want to spend all the whole segment on Dickinson. I think it will be interesting to see if Buffkin can grow his game dramatically because oftentimes you see it most from freshman to sophomore year. Yeah. Um, uh, the growth also applies to Caleb Houston, who kind of had a disappointing year. Uh, but Michigan will be dependent on him, especially if they lose both Dickinson and Diabate because you're adding that on top of right. Jones and Brooks. And now you're looking at Four stars gone. Right. The only and, returner would be Houston. Yeah. Uh, Portal is full of just shooters. Michigan needs one that was definitely uh, a need this year, uh, especially since Houston, like so much of his game, it's dependent on his ability to shoot the three, and that was his upside, and he had a down year. It'd be interesting if he can pick that up. You also have uh, 
Williams, who was showing you, like you said, he can shoot the three. You have uh, Will Shedder, who should be coming off the bench. That's a yep. big part of his game. Um, Doug McDaniel, uh, is it McDaniel? Doug McDaniel, or just yeah. Doug? yeah? He that's one. That's a big part of his game too. The incoming point guard, um, Isaiah Barnes, who I actually almost forgot. Also yeah. redshirted. Uh, it'll be interesting if he what he can do this year. Um, and and I expect some attrition. Michigan was one of the only teams last year that didn't have any transfers, which was kind of amazing. They actually need a couple because I think right now um, they're too over the scholarship limit. So they need a couple people to transfer. Yeah, I yeah. also they also John's have, has John's announced if he's going to use his COVID year yet or not. No, he has not. I would okay. expect him to transfer somewhere. Yeah, I just kind of like use that extra year somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think Michigan would rather uh, go in the transfer for, portal for a big if they lose both uh, uh, Diabate and Dickinson rather than have Johns. Yeah, uh, rather just, than rather than like roll with Johns, Williams, and and Terrace Reed. Yeah, uh, and speaking of Williams, um, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, uh, go down in my notes since yeah. it applies. I am curious what the team might look like with. Terrence Williams is the backup at five. Interesting. And Will Shedder at the backup at four. Um, neither one are huge, imposing big men, but they both can play down low to, down a little bit, and they both can shoot the three. That sounds like their version of putting Malik Hall and Joey Hauser at the four and five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were Which the results? Work, it, it could work offensively, but defensively you're definitely compromised. Yeah. And to be fair, Terrence Williams' defense – looks good when they're playing a team. Like, even out of the Big East, a lot of those guys. Uh, playing Colorado State, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a good matchup. That's a better matchup than having Dickinson out there. But when you get in the Big Ten and you have uh, uh, Kofi Coburn out there and some of the other <laughs> right. bigs, you like, you know. Uh, backup, definitely, uh, I wouldn't want him rolling with him as a starter. Yeah, but, like, in, in situational and spot minutes. I could see that. Yeah. South Carolina, uh, speaking of uh, portal people, though, getting back to that. I portal said, people. <laughs> South Carolina just had three guards enter a transfer portal. I'd like any of them. Uh, Stevenson and uh, Cousinard? Cousinard? I, I don't know. Yeah, those were the two <laughs> leading scorers for South Carolina. And then uh, Carter was there, uh, was on the SEC all-freshman uh, team. Nice. So. Uh, any of those would work. Brandon Murray from LSU is an obvious guy, but I think a, a lot of teams will want him. Um, Sam Sessions from Penn State has shown interest. I think he would be happy being a starter or a backup. So, you know, a guy like Brandon Murray is going to come here and want to start. Yeah. Then you have to worry how do Frankie Collins and Buffkin feel about that. Right. Uh, I think Sessions is a good backup plan. Like if Buffkin has it, then you uh, then Session, Sessions can come off the bench if he doesn't, you know. And really, Sessions, being six foot, um, it's probably going to be a one. Um, but you also already have two point guards there. You have Frankie yeah. Collins. And, uh, it's, it's really more like the, the two spot that Michigan needs some help. Yeah, unless you want to – Some uh, instant help. Unless you're going to redshirt some people too. Yeah. And, I mean, that also depends on how all these pieces lie. Uh, we'll probably have a lot better idea in a month or two. 
Uh, Adam Miller is transferring from LSU, and he was once a recruiting target of Michigan. Obviously, he chose Illinois first, then he yeah. went to LSU. Surprisingly, uh, on that line, Andre Corbello is transferring from Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't have a good year. Yeah. His stock went way down. Uh, not uh, that Michigan would be interested, but it's it's kind of interesting that two, well, now that you two big-time recruits from that class are now on their way out. Yeah, I wonder if Adam Miller would have stayed at LSU if their coach hadn't uh, – well, I mean, he might be going to prison. <laughs> because everyone's jumping off of LSU. Yeah. I, I said Brandon Murray. I said Adam Miller. Isn't a – Michigan State looking at a yeah I believe it's a, a Xavier Pinson so you'll be hearing more about that in the next segment yeah <laughs> um but I think that's all for Michigan basketball um because I also want to get the hockey team and women's basketball team in here that's right Michigan hockey is on fire um they continued the great play they had in the Big Ten uh hockey tournament into the NCAA um they won their uh first game oh real quick their successful weekend led to them going to a Frozen Four, which wasn't from 11 days from when they won it, six days from when we're recording this. <laughs> For whatever reason, I don't know if it has to do with the men's basketball tournament, the women's basketball tournament. You think they would be able to – I mean, there's a lot of TV, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the men's and women's are really good about not conflicting with each other. you think they'd find time for uh, some hockey games. But they uh, got to Frozen Four first by in the Sweet 16, beating American International five to three. Um, I'm going to keep these recaps short just because we're up against the clock. Then they had a wild game against Quinnipiac. 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 Quid pro quo. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> they went up four nothing heading into the third. Um, then Q. Uh, and I'm not talking about the Trump cult, uh, <laughs> scored three goals in the fourth period. And with less than four minutes to go, uh, Q ends up pulling their goalie. Uh, and it's 4-3. And after Michigan just dominating the first two periods of play, you're on the edge of your seat like, oh, man, are they really going to blow this? Is Q going to tie it up? Well, no. Michigan made it 5-3 before scoring two more quick goals, making it 7-3 for good measure. And then when you know it, Q scored another 7-4, 11-goal uh, game. Uh, four of those goals happened in the last four minutes. Seven of those goals happened in the final period. It was a wild game. It was fun, especially for a Michigan fan. Um, there was a lot of uh, Q fans there because their uh, uh, college is in um, uh, Connecticut, and the game was in northern Pennsylvania, I believe. Gotcha. So. Um, there are a lot of Michigan fans there, too, so it yeah. traveled well. It's another Frozen Four for Michigan. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because they made more than any other program, but they definitely don't have the most championships. So. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's interesting There's that uh, it's in the Northeast. It's being held a, a neutral site, and there's a lot of good programs in the Northeast. Michigan just beating one. But the Frozen Four is Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota State, and can you bring it up? Who's the fourth team in the? Yeah, I think it's. I, I, I think it's funny that Minnesota and Minnesota State are playing each other. Uh, uh, Denver, Denver, which is who Michigan is playing. I, I meant to write it down. And then there's a lot more. There's a lot of good uh, programs for uh, hockey in Minnesota. Yeah, it's all is Northeast. Uh, so it's being played at the the Boston Garden. Yeah, and 
Massachusetts is a good hockey program. New Hampshire, Boston U, Boston College. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I, I do like college hockey a lot and i know you do too i will mm-hmm. admit that i'm probably not the go-to guy for it i'm definitely a bandwagon fan when it comes to michigan state hockey which i won't get into too much right now because that's some sad state of affairs is it the house divided podcast with uh jeer bear and uh Brandon? yeah they're, they're the hockey guys yeah yeah sure. definitely listen to them they're good friends of the show uh i listen to their show it's a lot of fun um i'm more it's kind of hard to be a college hockey fan because even the Big Ten Network a lot of times don't, doesn't like to show the games. So, yeah. And you have to watch it on the Big Ten Which Network. the question, why did they blow up the CCHA to make the Big Ten if they're not going to? My youngest sister is a new college hockey fan. She's always been a Michigan football fan. She's trying to get into basketball and hockey. And I, during this game, explained to her. Does the whole CCHA <laughs> yes. now. It's like the Big Ten. And, yeah, Notre Dame's in the Big Ten for hockey. And it's only seven. Another good program. Ridic- yeah, Notre Dame's a very good program. And, actually, there are good programs, but there's just not enough. And then I was excited because – I thought the games would be shown, and instead it's on Big Ten Network Plus, which has its own streaming issues and people paying a premium for it, and then it doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. It's just a pain in the ass. It is. And watching uh, the games on ESPN2, you really realize that even when it is on the Big Ten Network, how much their coverage sucks or is lacking compared to ESPN2. But um, getting a women's basketball – uh, the women's basketball team beat South Dakota in the Sweet 16 to advance to Elite Eight. They were then knocked out of the tourney by the number one seeded Louisville Cardinals, which is a really good team. I had a lot of fun watching Michigan and Louisville play, despite the ending being bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, Michigan hung around, and it was a tight game. Louisville pulled away late. Uh, I love Kim Barnes and Rico, but she should have known, like, by the end, like she fouled for a little too long. The game was outrage. Yeah. Near the end, Michigan was just chucking threes and falling. It's like, eh. <laughs> um, uh, the game though showed how much the team has grown as Louisville destroyed Michigan earlier in the season. Michigan only had 15 points in that game at halftime. Jeez. Uh, Louisville is like probably the best defense in women's college basketball. Um, uh, South Carolina though, actually. If you don't watch women's basketball, watch the South Carolina-Louisville game. That's going to be a really good game. Yeah. Um, by the time this podcast release, actually, it might be over. But still, watch <laughs> watch women's college basketball, because especially at a high level, it's a lot of fun. Um, but, I mean, Michigan got blown out in that game by 30, and they were lucky to be within that because <laughs> Louisville was definitely pulling punches in the second half. But Michigan, like, really went on to become one of the top ten teams in women's college basketball and got yeah. a three seed and looked like they were going to get a two seed at one point. Um, and obviously fact, they got one of the biggest stars in women's college basketball. And I'm going to get to her because uh, she she has a – the reason the program is where it is today is in big part by her. Yeah. But before I get to that, uh, I just like that this team – look like they belong. It was a back-and-forth game. The final timeout with three minutes and some change left, Michigan was only down by two. So if you just looked at the box score and saw that they lost by 12, no, it was because Louisville was hitting their free throws and Michigan wasn't hitting their threes. Yeah, uh, The r- program feels like it's going in the right direction despite how much this loss hurt. Um, it was an incredible run. The program's best run ever, following their previous best run ever when they went to Sweet 16 last year. Um, the senior class did so much for the cr- program, and it's Kim Barnes, Rico's crowning achievement so far. Um, 
because there were definitely some bumps uh, along the way. I was really happy when the program hired her. St. John's did not want to lose her. She was one of their best coaches in program history. And in 2016-17, when the Michigan somehow didn't make the tournament with that resume, and they went on to win the NIT, was really a pivotal point for this program. And then getting the class that they currently have. Yeah. Um, and Nas, uh, Nas Hillman, we'll, we'll have her jersey in Chrysler hung up one day. Yeah. Um, she is the first 2,000-point scorer for the program. Uh, 2,000 point score and a thousand rebound player ever. She was all American. She was a Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, she was a FIBA under 19 gold medalist. Um, and she also declared for the NBA. And like, if the program can follow this up with anything, I think they will really be set for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Kim Barnes Rico signed an extension. I think either I think it was last year. Um, and I mean, I have to admit, like the last four years, I've watched more women's college basketball than I ever have. And it's because of this class. Yeah. And I really wish they had a Final Four banner to hang up, but I, I can't say that I didn't enjoy the ride. Yeah. Also, Nas Hillman wearing double zeros is badass. <laughs> yeah. She's a badass player. Um, also, oh, I wish I would have writ, uh, written down, but uh, Michigan Law uh, also had an injury in the fourth quarter that really kind of hampered their. Comeback attempt, I would say, because yeah. even though it was back and forth, Louisville was usually up by two, three, four points. Um, so that hurt too. But uh, I mean, it was a wild ride. And, uh, and and right now, Michigan sports all around, the, the athletic department is really thriving right now. And it's a lot of fun to watch. I remember uh, in the 90s, I didn't really realize how good I had it when several different programs was yeah. doing well. And this time I'm appreciating it as a 30-something-year-old who knows that this isn't every year <laughs> yeah. to a lesser extent. I've experienced that like from 2008 to 2011, like both Michigan state football and basketball and hockey it's a little bit. We're like up there, not just in the big 10 or the CCHA, but like in the country. And you know, not that, not that basketball has dropped off that much, but you know, football definitely took a, a turn at some points and hockey just hasn't been the same since 07. Yeah. The hockey program, do they still have their coach? As, as of right now, Danton Cole is still coach. I, thought I was, was going to talk about that a little bit on the next I thought he thing. was a good hire, but it's not like working out for him. And football's definitely had their ups since then, but it's oh, weird. Yeah. They'll, they'll have those like oddly like poor years. Yeah. So, you know. So I, I was going to talk about them a little bit on the next segment. Yeah. But. And uh, speaking of which, let's take a break and uh, talk Michigan State next. Paul Bunyan Podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to browse all types of products, including sweaters, hats, shirts, and other accessories. That's far-ebar.com. So we have some news about the Michigan State basketball roster and what we can expect for the 22-23 season. First of all, Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham both announced that they will not be using their extra year of eligibility at Michigan State or elsewhere. They are declaring for the NBA draft. And, you know, I I think it works for both of them because I'm sure another year of college basketball would have benefited them, but maybe not to the point where, like, makes or breaks a career. I've Gabe Brown, especially, I could see 
finding a role in the NBA. Maybe not sticking, but you know, like he could have like a, a two to three year stint in the NBA where people know about him, you know? Yeah. I'm mainly just sad that everybody from the 2018-19 Final Four roster is gone now because that team was a lot of you ask most Michigan State fans, a lot of them are gonna say the 2019 team was their favorite. Personally, for me, it was the 2019 with Kalen Lucas and Raymar Morgan. But, you know, everybody talks about that 19 Elite Eight win over Duke, you know, just the way that Cassius Winston performed down the stretch, how Matt McQuaid had his best year. You know, Aaron Henry was a, a freshman contributor. And, you know, Xavier Tillman came on after the Nick Ward injury. Like, it was – that team was just special because – they lost Langford earlier in the year, and then like they had to deal with Nick Ward getting hurt. And then when Nick Ward came back, then Kyle Ahrens was hurt, and they still, despite being down, Langford and Ahrens made a run to the Final Four. Like it was just, it was a special team, and it seemed like that team was going to, in one way or another, produce a championship because we knew the next year that Winston and Henry and Tillman were all coming back. And, you know, Rocket Watts was being added to that. And maybe Joey Hauser, even though he didn't end up being eligible. Um, And then, obviously, like, that year ended in COVID. But Quick sidebar. Um, Uh, I know you watched the Michigan uh, State-Duke game from the second round. mm -hmm. Did you hear all the commentary? Because I know one of the commentators, and I can't remember who who it was, but they said that no Michigan State, players from that 2019 win against Duke were on the current team. And I knew that was false right. because you had said oh. Bingham and Brown. And I don't think Bingham played in that game, but Brown did a little yeah. bit, not much because Matt McQuaid, that but game, like they definitely weren't the headliners of the roster. At yeah. That, point. that team's, did you hear that though? I, yeah. It, it, it I think later, ear, later but... in the game, I think Nance did correctly say Gabe Brown, who was the only Michigan state player left who played in that 2019. Game. Okay. Uh, so he did correct himself later. But, yeah, I was like, uh, no, that's wrong. Dude. <laughs> they didn't play a lot, but they were there. Yeah. So I'm just nitpicking. Nance. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, I'm, a, I'm a little sad, you know, because that roster, you know, you never know what, what could have been with the, the COVID shutdown. And then just the COVID year of 21 was such a weird year for Brown and Bingham and the team as a whole, you know. So, like I said on our last episode, they – finish their careers playing their best basketball. And the, the Duke game was kind of a microcosm of that. I still think they both had another level to go. And uh, you I almost, so. you almost got that from Brown, but then down the stretch, I know, I know he in tournament play, both big 10 and the big one, he kind of turned around, but yeah, but he was having such a good year and it kind of felt like as he went, the team went. Yeah. And when he hit that skid, the team hit a skid. It was kind of like, so you remember Aaron Henry kind of became the leader of the 2021 team and then declared for the NBA draft. It didn't it, like it seemed like a big loss, obviously because of what Aaron Aaron Henry presented. But with the way Gabe Brown was playing in November and December, it was kind of like you're willing to take a year of Gabe Brown playing this way because Henry coming back definitely would have well, uh, less minutes out there. Yeah, so that kind of like softened the blow of losing Henry, and then when Brown started to have issues with his confidence like yeah it definitely affected the whole team then bingham was was kind of similar too but yeah they definitely both finished playing their best basketball uh davis smith entered the transfer portal he he was a walk-on you know he's steve smith's son like he's definitely talented but undersized and it seems like he's just gonna look for 
more of a role at a smaller school. Like it was definitely ambitious of him to be on the team. You know, to see him end up at Mac or Horizon League yeah. school. And I shouldn't. He was a former walk-on. I think he he got a scholarship this last year. But Oakland might be a good place for him. Yeah, like you could definitely see the, the talent was there. I mean, he's Steve Smith's son, which doesn't always translate, but. I mean, it translates a bit because, uh, I mean, just to be at Michigan State, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then today we're recording this on April 1st. Max Christie announced he will – he's putting his name into the NBA draft while retaining college eligibility. So I believe, you know, if uh, I saw someone on Twitter. I wish I could give proper credit. But someone on Twitter said if you're a, an underclassman playing 25-plus minutes at a big-time school – like, yeah, regardless, you should enter your name in the draft just to see, you know, what what the experts and the, the scouts say about you. <laughs> Sorry, something bro- was brought up on my uh, uh, laptop when I went to see who said that. And uh, we're laughing at a meme that we won't say on air. Um, so, yeah, I've, we documented last episode about what Michigan State needs to look for in the transfer portal. Mainly it's a big guy, but it seems like they've been in touch with uh, – players of like the the three to four variety we we talked about Jalen Bridges another guy who's come to light is Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech um sorry I'm just looking up his stats but he's another guy he's six foot six 215 and you know has a lot of athleticism so could compliment from Texas Tech yeah uh Terrence Shannon Jr. Mm -hmm. someone that they've been in contact with I've heard from a few places but I don't know for certain if they have but uh, Xavier Pinson, a guard from LSU, they've ru- been rumored to be in contact with. I believe Jalen Bridges from West Virginia has a a visit scheduled with Michigan State, and and he's one that they uh, that has a lot of interest from a lot of schools. But if Michigan State does get him, that's a big get. Yeah, I think he would step into the role that Gabe Brown just had because I don't think Pierre Brooks is quite there yet. But if you have someone like Bridges to complement Brooks, then those two can you know, kind of play in tandem at that spot because I expect Brooks to take a little bit of a a, a step from freshman to sophomore year. Uh, Bridges have a history of doing well at Michigan State. They do. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the name for sure. <laughs> uh, no word yet on Joey Hauser, what he will do, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Joey Hauser is not going to be using his COVID year. Joey Hauser could actually – petition to get two more years of eligibility because of an injury one, but he's, I think he's already the oldest guy on the team. Like I think he's turning 23 this. this Do you think he'll still play college basketball? I don't think so. You don't think, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm I'm not going (laughs) to pretend to know whether or not, but if he's like having fun, I think like if he goes down a league, that would be good. Like American uh, or big East, but maybe even smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he he's he's again someone who kind of he did a good job of like rewriting what the ending of his story was going to be at Michigan State because for a while it was not looking super pretty, but I, I think he also ended the season playing his best, and it, it kind of coincided with Malik Hall being not at his best, just to to put it lightly. So hopefully Malik Hall will be back up to what he was in the middle of the season. He he was kind of like the opposite of Gabe Brown. You know, where Brown to start and close the season was playing really well, but in the middle was definitely slumping. Whereas Malik Hall, he wasn't slumping to start the season, but he was playing his best ball in the middle from like middle of January to 
about the end of February. And then, then he, kind then of it seemed off. like he got hurt. Yeah. That's what I kept reading, at least from like the beat writers and certain fans. Um, reading from uh, uh, Connor Muldowney. Am I pronouncing that right? So. I, I, he comes up in my Twitter feed a lot. But uh, he was doing what? Uh, the way too early projected starting five. He has Tyson Walker as like the sixth man and Hogard as a starting point guard. Do you think yeah. they keep both of them? Oh, yeah. I think I think they'll both be back. Um, I, not not that either one of them is not good enough because they both have pretty good seasons. Right, but. it's just kind of hard to balance the minutes. But yeah. I, I think with Trey Holloman coming in, it gives Michigan State more of an opportunity to play both Walker and Hogard at the same time, which for the last few weeks, that was when they were at their best, was when they could have both of them out there. Aikens coming off the bench too. Yeah, but with those two, I'm not saying you start with Hogard and Walker, okay. but – but Aikens was with those a two point guard only. in high school, so you're like yeah. kind of playing three point guards and the two guards with spots. with Aikens or I'm sorry with Hogard and Walker really being the only viable point guard options. You don't want to run them out there at the same time unless you absolutely have to, because uh, you know they could get injured or foul trouble or just tired, and you need one of them on the floor. But I also think Aikens makes a leap, and he has point guard potential. I know he yeah. plays. At the I, two. I think they're mainly going to work him at the two, but he'll be like a ball handler. Like I don't think, yeah, I don't think he'll ever run the show. Right. But I think, especially with Holloman coming in, but I think he's somebody who's who's got a big ceiling, and I I think definitely showed spots of potential. And he he was like an effort and an energy guy too. So even though he has the talent, you don't always see those four star guys being willing to like chase down a bad pass and keep it from being a, a, a layup for the other team. I know Beeline like to have guys at the two and three that have point guard experience, like a Eli Brooks, Nick Stauskas, even Tim Hardaway, like had the mm-hmm. handles, even though they weren't like point guards or at least point guards in college. Uh, and you've really seen like college basketball in the last 10 years become more about that. Not just the yeah. shooting, which gets a lot of the headlines where even four and fives are expected to be able to shoot the three, but just having point guard handles and being able to uh, battle the full court press or like, you know, Shaka Smarks havoc defense, you know, where basketball's going. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully there'll be some news. I I was waiting on what Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham were going to announce. And thankfully they didn't wait too long or drag their feet. Like they, and it it seems like the talk of, uh, people who cover Michigan State for a long time was that they were not coming back. It seemed like maybe for a little bit in the middle that one or both of them could come back, but towards the end it seemed like they were both playing like like the end of the road was near and they were like giving it their best shot. Who um, do you think fills in those uh, vo- the the voids they leave? Because you said Gabe Brown kind of did it for Aaron Henry. Who does it for Gabe Brown? Yeah, well, you know, hopefully if if they get Jalen Bridges like just from that position then it would be him. Uh, Max Christie, because I, I, I think yeah. he comes back. Would he be playing the three, you think? I would I would put him mostly at the two, but if, if you have Walker and Hogarth on the court at the same time, I think then Christie is your ideal three. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm betting Christie, if he comes back, takes a leap, and then Aikens. You know? And it also depends if you get Bridges. If you get Bridges, Christie's at the two, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and then at the five, that's an interesting position because Julius Marble is someone who has shown that he can do it. Like, he's had a lot of games where he scores 16, 18, 19 points, and it looks like an unstoppable force. But he's also had his fair share of games where he scores 
four points and fouls out in 10 minutes of play. So <laughs> he's someone who can do it in spurts, but I don't really think he's Mr. Reliable per se. I think they're still waiting on Mati Sissoko to make that jump and maybe, maybe he makes it, but you also got Jackson Kohler coming in. Who's who's a big time prospect at the five, but he's really more of an offensive finesse type guy. Like his footwork is around the basket is what's gotten him to the division one level. You know, usually you don't see a, a center come in as a freshman and just shut people down defensively. Like even Hunter Dickinson had his struggles. Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, kind of related to that. Also, if Amadi Sissoko doesn't make it as a center for Izzo, I think uh, Tucker will take him as a left tackle. Cause that's what he reminds <laughs> me of every time I see him uh, on the, the basketball court. Yeah. And actually I said left tackle, but maybe like a outside linebacker with the way he can get physical sometimes. Right. As like a project, <laughs> get him behind uh, Aaron Brule and, and, Quivers Crouch right now, get him training. He could be ready in 2023 20, and 24. Uh, I saw that uh, he went to high school in Mount Pleasant, and uh, I was like, oh, so because uh, I knew he wasn't originally from the States, right? He was, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it's not Mount Pleasant, Michigan. It's uh, Mount <laughs> Pleasant, Utah. That's right. Um, but anyways. Izzo, Izzo got there and he was like, wait a second. How <laughs> did it take so long to get to Mount Pleasant? Uh. <laughs> Well, might as well watch some basketball. I'm sure he's. Here. I'm sure uh, Sissoko stood out in Mount Pleasant, Utah. <laughs> I don't have to go there to know that. <laughs> Anyways, going forward, uh, since I derailed this, <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, so now it's kind of dependent. Like, like I said, I believe Max Christie, <clears throat> similar to the way Nick Ward and Aaron Henry did after their sophomore seasons. You know, it makes it's it's smart to put your name in and just get the feedback. And if people think you're ready, then you know take the leap a lot of people didn't think jordan Poole was ready after two years in michigan and now he's he's having... i love reminding people that i was right about that <laughs> but the thing that jordan Poole could do that christy hasn't shown was like Poole for stretches could be an elite shooter and i, I think they're a similar build obviously the same position but i think christy at this point is scrawnier than what jordan Poole was coming out which i mean jordan Poole was a sophomore coming out so it makes yeah. sense but yeah, Christie definitely needs to just add some bulk. I think he performed admirably. Like he was the leader in minutes as a true freshman, and for most of the games was guarding the opposing team's best guard. So it, it, I don't fully blame him for like having his body break down as the season goes on. But I mean, NBA people are going to see that. Like I, I don't think he's ready for the NBA just yet, and I don't think. I don't think he thinks he is. I think he's doing this to get the feedback, but we'll see. Yeah, I'd bet on him coming back. Um, he definitely looked better again in their out of conference against um, non Big Ten teams. Yeah, uh, and then once the schedule got harder, like you see a splits for in conference versus out of yeah. conference. Yeah, I mean he, he won Big Ten Freshman of the Week five times, and at that point it was like, yeah, no, he's for sure the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. But did he end up winning it? No. Uh, was it Branham? Malachi Branham. I don't remember. He, he was on the all big 10 freshman team, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think last episode I mentioned the four guards coming back and Walker, Hogard, Akins and Christie as reasons to be excited. The uncertainty at the, the three and the five are reasons to be a bit skeptic, but we'll, we'll see how the roster fills out. Maybe there's a recruit out there that, you know, I mean, a lot of coaches getting fired right now. You see people decommitting, <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, South Carolina and LSU. Yeah. <laughs> How many of transfers have we uh, named off of those, <laughs> those two alone? Yeah. yeah. Six. Yeah. Six is the answer. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to count out Michigan state basketball, but need Malik Hall to be more consistent, need Hogard to continue the way he was projecting at the end of the season. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens at the five. Cause there are three options there with Marble, Sissoko, and Kohler. It's just that the most proven of those options is Julius Marble. And as I said, he, he could have a game where he goes six for six from the floor and, you know, nets you 15 points. But he's also had his fair share of games where he, you just can't keep him on the floor. And the Duke game was a good example of that. Yeah, and how long have we been saying Michigan State has a lot of options at the five? We're waiting for one of them to step up. It feels like the last two seasons. Yeah. And I feel like even if Bingham were, was coming back to Michigan State for his super senior year, they would still be looking in the portal because Bingham was on the floor also getting the moves put on him by Joey Brunk against Ohio State. So it wasn't like – like, yeah, he's the he's – the, the school leader and blocks, but it's not like he was some defensive savant out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of options at the five. None of them are panning out so far. Not at least not consistent mm-hmm. at the five for Michigan State. You got to change the record. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. So. You know, if, if this ends up being our last episode of, of the season, then we're going to leave it on a cliffhanger not knowing, but we'll see. I mean, you know. I, I do I do uh, uh, want to, like, maybe in a month or a couple weeks, once we kind of have a clear idea, yeah. maybe do a quick episode. Uh, and we say, I, I've said this to you, though, I think the last two summers, but a lot of times by the time we get to this point, I'm, like, a little burnt out. But I'd like to have some guests on Um you know, yeah. uh, some maybe beat writers for 24-7 uh, sports or something. Yeah. And, and just kind of do maybe an interview format or something. Uh, uh, I think starting in December this year, uh, kind of uh, by the it time. Was, we- yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, obviously, this would have been a great year to do football, but it was I mean, we, we, we've talked about our reasons for not doing it this past year. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't feel as much burnout. Yeah. And I, I hope Get you guys don't started. feel burnout listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually almost uh, decided to do a quick solo uh, podcast after the women, the women uh, were going to Elite Eight. The oh yeah, hockey yeah. team was going to Elite Eight. Michigan had just played Nova. Uh, I thought like maybe doing a quick like update would have been fun, but I'm glad I saved it for this. Also, Villanova might have beaten Michigan uh, men's basketball, but Michigan women's basketball beat Villanova. And don't forget it. That's right. Never uh, forget it. Yeah, and uh, I talked about the last episode, Michigan uh, basketball had beaten Tennessee three times in the tournament. Last year, Michigan women's basketball beat Tennessee to get to the Sweet <laughs> 16. So take that, Orange. Yeah. Um, face. But uh, this is the Spartan segment, so I, I feel like <laughs> I'm walking all, all over it. We always like get a little bit of sprinkles of the other the other team in there. Uh, real quick, I, I feel bad that I didn't uh, I didn't uh, give you time to prep for this, but th- does Michigan State hockey keep their coach? Yeah, I'm. So as of right now, Danton Cole is still the coach. I think they do. Um, you know, it's weird. Michigan State won the 2007 national championship, which obviously 
that's why you play the sport is to win a championship. But they kind of have been paying for it ever since because that Rick Comley took over after, and I could be I could be wrong, but I believe Rick Comley took over after um, the legendary coach. Oh goodness, I'm blanking out his name. You met him too. I, yeah, yeah. You, you know your stuff. You're just uh, he was the athletic director before Hollis. I can't. Was believe. it Ron Mason? Ron Mason. Thank you. And then so Rick Conley took over after Ron Mason, who was like the Heathcote of Michigan State hockey. Uh, so it looked like Conley maybe would be an Izzo for Michigan State hockey. He was but, hired before Michigan even hired uh, uh, Red Berenson. Wow. 79. That's great. Berenson didn't come to oh, Ron 86. Mason, you mean? Oh, Ron, Ron. Ron Mason was hired yeah. before uh, yeah, Berenson. Okay, yeah. Sorry. For, uh, for I, second, I hope I, I said like, that. No, right. Conley was it. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 uh, Ron Mason, Mason yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Mason was like from the 70s. There's a reason they made him the athletic director after his time as hockey coach. But Comley was, was pretty disappointing, both like in recruiting and on, on ice results. But they did make the tournament in 06, and then they won it all in 07. But after that, after that 07 run where they – they were either a two or a three seed, but like Abdul Cater was on that team. Ryan Miller, uh, Jeff Lurd was the goalie. Like it, it was definitely like a scrappy team that got hot at the right time. But goodness, like the program just came to a thud afterwards. And they made the NCAA tournament in 2012 in Tom Anastas' first season. But then Anastas also was kind of got off to a, a good start early and then fizzled real quick. So I think there's a level of understanding between uh, Alan Haller right now and the, and the hockey program that it's going to take some work. I know Danton Cole's been there for what, four years now? 2018 was when he was hired? 2017. 2017. Um, but yeah, it, I know there were injuries this year, but you can't go on a on a 12 game losing streak like they did. Uh, I don't. At think, one point, they looked like a bubble team for the tournament. Yeah, and I don't think they beat Michigan this year. And every time they played, it was ugly. Even it's, even times when Michigan was shorthanded. Yeah, and you know that's that's a rivalry that's just as fierce historically as the football and basketball rivalries. Like that's one. Like obviously, Michigan program is Michigan's program is at a different level right now, so you can understand losing the majority to them, but. The way it's looked like ever since the 2010-11 season when they had the the big chill, like Michigan's just been running away with it. Michigan State's had some years where they won a few games or like split the series, but especially the last few years, Michigan has just been crushing Michigan State. And and in Red's few that last few years, they had definitely Michigan still was doing some good things, yeah. but it felt like they lost half a step. But yeah, so there right, was opportunity there for Michigan State. Right now, there there are a lot of players entering the transfer portal from Michigan State hockey. Uh, the biggest note of which was their goalie Drew DeRitter, who like in his in his note, you know, you know, how, like people always put out their notes on on Twitter saying like, you know, respect my decision. I'm entering the um, I'm entering the transfer portal. Like, he he was a good goalie. Like, I know Michigan State gave up a lot of goals, but Drew, it wasn't through any fault of his. And he's he straight up said he wants to go somewhere where he can help a good team win hockey games. Oh, man. That's just like, that's just damning. And he, he ended up at North Dakota, which is a historically great hockey program. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say they keep Danton Cole. I I think things are good under Tom Izzo, and things are great 
under like I mean the way that the football and basketball programs are right now with Tucker and Izzo that'll cover up a lot like I think there could be questions about Susie Merchant's future as the women's basketball coach because they've been underachieving in my opinion but we'll we'll see I I think both Merchant and and Dan Merchant helped herself because it's kind of weird how she's like split with Michigan, even as Kim Barnes. Arico. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's hard to beat your rival on the road. I, I say that and watch a look and like the losses were at Chrysler, so, <laughs> but you know, there's definitely, I mean, uh, the COVID year, the one that ended early, Michigan was going to be a six seed. Well, state was a one or a two and in, in basketball. Sorry. Uh, I don't remember if they were that. Oh, you mean men's basketball? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, was, I was just going like to use that. I was yeah. just going to use that as like a thing, like uh, Michigan, Michigan State split. So that's how rivalries go. Sometimes, yeah. Actually, yeah. the hockey team is like beating Michigan here and there, even though Michigan. Yeah. But this this last season was yeah, rough. That was, like it wasn't just losing the games. It was it yeah. was getting pummeled. But also, I just never mind. <laughs> I, I, I think Danton Cole and Susie Merchant are safe for at least another year. Merchant, her her job probably isn't. Uh, anywhere near like being on the hot seat or anything because she has done a good job but it's just i I, it's been a while since state's been in the tournament well you was she the one that took them to final four a long no that was uh oh five i believe Susie merchant took over in 2010 or 2011 oh i just had it up uh oh sorry but when they when they lost to baylor in the oh five championship game yeah Oh yeah, they uh, actually made it to a championship game. Uh, she took over in two thousand seven. Oh okay, so that was sh- quickly after that one. Yeah, but she's had she's had talented teams there. I remember she was at Eastern beforehand, and she was good there. She played at Central. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, things are things are really looking up for the football team under Mel Tucker. I'm very excited. Like 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 Mike said, we'll probably do another episode. Once we have a, a clearer look at the basketball roster, <laughs> and uh, but you know, if we don't, I just want to say, like, when we do talk about football, I'm very excited for what Mel Tucker is building, just as I'm sure Mike is very excited about the next few seasons under Harbaugh at Michigan. I, I think we got some exciting days ahead of us. I'm just looking at this picture of Susie Merchant in high heels right now. Oh, yeah, sports. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think we'll do a show soon uh, when we have some updates. Like, we, I mean, as you when, can tell. When there's when there's news. Yeah, yeah. There's we'll so many there. different ways things could go that our thoughts are kind of scatterbrained with the basketball programs. Yeah. Because once one puzzle piece moves, then that is a cause and effect for one another. One puzzle piece causes a domino effect and you know. <laughs> but as long as time allows that, I'd love to do a few more episodes before football starts. Definitely. Uh, thanks for listening. You know, uh, check us out online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, Make sure to go to Farbar. That's F-A-R-E-B-A-R.com to check out all the products. He available. has a contest right now. Free handbags. Yeah. Um, he makes quality stuff. I have lots of stuff. And me. as long as you're not going to email us something stupid, the Paul Bunyan podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you are going to email us something stupid, um, <laughs> it won't be right on air. <laughs> all right. <laughs> until right. next time, I'm, uh, I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. And, and I'm looking at Susie Merchant. Hi, Heels. <laughs> and thank you for joining the Paul Bunyan podcast. <laughs>